welcome back, everybody. I'm a little bit, not quite as late as I was afraid I was going to be getting the podcast out. I was feeling a little under the weather yesterday when I usually record. So we're getting it out today. And I did still do my notes yesterday. So if today's a little bit disjointed, it's because I wasn't feeling good when I made my notes. So we'll see how this episode turns out. I'm your host, Olivia, and this is Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, the podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. This week, we have a more cute, quirky-ish sort of episode for you. We've had several episodes now where I've talked about some of the really wild bird migrations, things like birds that fly thousands of miles south before winter so they can escape the cold and dark. Uh, So we have like the Arctic tern that flies down to South America, and we've talked about the black pole warbler that flies over the Arctic Ocean. But there are still plenty of birds that stick around. If you have bird feeders or simply go outside ever in wintertime, you've likely noticed cardinals with their red feathers standing out pretty strongly over the snow. Blue jays will be around as well. And you'll probably see some chickadees, maybe some nuthatches. So for the amount of birds that migrate, there are really a lot of them that don't. So how do these birds who are often quite small survive the cold of winter especially when we have those Arctic air cold blasts that dip temperatures far below zero. So birds have several different survival techniques that they use to keep them warm in winter and help maintain their energy and all that good stuff so they can survive. Some of the noticeable ones, so things that you have probably seen before, would be things like fluffing up their feathers so they look like nice little round bird balls and they huddle together for warmth. So a gathering of morning doves huddling next to each other wing to wing in a rain or snowstorm has been a common sight at our bird feeders growing up and I'm sure they're still there. Other birds like tree swallows and little tiny kinglets will snuggle together overnight in shrubs or tree branches and this is going to help them share their body heat, and keep each other warm. And with fluffing up their feathers, this is a way to add more insulation. It's kind of like when you put on a big puffy winter jacket. It keeps the cold farther away from the bird's body, and it creates a nice big pocket of air or bigger pocket of warm air around the bird. Some birds, like geese, go the extra mile and add layers of insulation by growing some downy feathers underneath that nice uh, waterproof layer of feathers, which, as I said, adds another layer of insulation around the bird. Now, birds do tend to look particularly round in wintertime, and it's not always just those feathers being all fluffed up. As most animals do in preparation for fall in the cold of winter, birds pack on some extra weight to act as insulation and as an energy reserve to help keep them warm at night. Through late summer and fall, they'll be eating more food than they usually do, um, often maybe targeting some extra fatty foods like sunflower seeds to help them bulk up, and they need to also keep that up throughout the winter time. So some birds like chickadees may sometimes eat up to 60% of their body weight every day to help build up and maintain those fat reserves. But you may be thinking, how could they possibly continue to eat so much through the winter? There's not as many seeds available, food is more scarce, there's not berries, insects are frozen. So what are they eating? So we, at least, uh, chickadees have been pretty well studied because they're a small bird. So researchers 
often go, how do they do it? And chickadees also benefit from being a pretty common bird. They're fairly easy to find, so we know what they do pretty good. So one thing that chickadees do, as well as crows, uh, so some of the corvids, crows um, have been documented caching food as well, but they will store food in food caches. So chickadees do what is called scatter hoarding, and this is where they'll stash little pockets of seeds in different spots throughout their habitat. They like the, to keep their stashes out of sight from other chickadees. So they'll hide bits of food in different crevices, like small holes in the trees, or maybe under scraps of bark, clusters of fir needles under leaves. If there is a crevice that looks like it could store food, they'll store food there. And these little caches can be very important food source through the winter. It ensures that they'll continue to have a reliable food source, so they'll be able to actually kind of eat what they need to throughout the winter time. But they're birds. Squirrels can't even remember where they put their food all the time. So how can a tiny little chickadee find their food again? And you know, studies actually show that they have a pretty big hippocampus. So the hippocampus is the part of the brain responsible for memory, particularly spatial memory. And for chickadees, their, their hippocampus grows throughout the fall as they're building their food caches and storing them. So as they have to remember more lo food locations, the hippocampus grows and the chickadee hippocampus is actually larger than that in most other birds. So at least compared to birds, they have a pretty remarkable spatial memory and this allows them to remember where they stored their food so they can go back to it when they need to. Another thing that chickadees in particular do to keep them warm, it's at least been mentioned many a time that chickadees do this, but I'm sure many other birds do as well. Um, birds shiver. So they shiver a little differently than people do. Um, you've likely never seen a bird just like full on vibrating in the winter time like we do. So when birds shiver, it's more of a quiet, unnoticeable shaking they're really just contracting opposing muscle groups. So the muscles themselves are contracting, but you're not really going to look at the bird and just see them jittering and shaking and how we shiver. So this helps, to, this helps them to maintain and create heat without quite as much energy loss as a full body tremor. And they also most often shiver overnight to help them maintain their body temperature but that does come with the downside that shivering for so long does usually deplete their fat reserves, so they lose a good bit of their weight. One site that I read compared their body fat loss to that of a 165-pound man going to sleep outside and then in the morning being 15 pounds lighter, so they lose quite a bit of their weight over overnight, or quite a bit of their fat reserves overnight. So this weight loss is where chickadee caches come in handy. In order to regain their body weight, they need to keep eating that 50 to 60% of their body weight so that they can gain back that fat. So every day through the winter time, they're usually regaining 10% of their body weight back just in fat so they can continue to survive through the night. And this is going to be sourced from those food caches, but they are also fairly savvy hunters through the winter time 
chickadees tend to be in, um, they tend to gather in more groups. So they'll be scouting for food with each other as they find different pockets of food, whether it's caches or maybe a source of berries, maybe a plant has some seeds left over that weren't eaten, or if they find some cold insects underneath some bark, they'll be like, hey guys, there's some food over here. You should come eat this too. And then they will. So chickadees do have a variety of food sources. About 50% of their food is going to come from plant material. So that's going to be from seeds and berries and that sort of thing. And then the other 50% is going to be animal material. So that would be things like insects, spiders, uh, spider egg sacs, things like that. So they do still have a variety of food sources through the winter time. It can just take a little bit longer to find it. They have to search a little bit harder. Okay, so that's keeping their central body warm and food sources, but what about their feet? Their feet aren't really feathered unless you have a real fancy chicken. And they routinely land in snowy environments. They, the bird feeders are going to be cold. The trees are cold. Everything is cold. And in the case of water birds, they're going to be constantly putting their feet in water, landing on ice, coming out of the water in the cold. So how do they not just freeze those feet off? So part of what you part of it is what you've likely seen birds like geese and gulls and ducks do when they're sitting and they're resting or napping they'll tuck in a foot and stand on one foot at a time so they'll have one foot nicely tucked within their feathers and they'll also go on and tuck their bill into their feathers as well tucking their bill in creates a nice warm space for breathing which helps to create breathing efficiency and anybody who has lived in an area with super cold winters will know it's just nicer, uh, it's a nicer feeling to breathe warm air than cold air. Those nostrils don't really freeze inside quite the same. Um, but for people at least, cold air can restrict the airways, so not as much air can pass through, so that's going to decrease your breathing efficiency, whereas warmer air is going to help to open up the airways and um, keep them nice and moist. They're not going to dry out. So breathing can happen much easier. More air can pass through the airways, so you have more breathing efficiency. So with their feet, clearly birds can't stand on one foot all the time, and they can't really just keep swapping their feet back and forth forever, tucking one in and um, standing on the other foot. So what else do they have? So they also have this real fancy countercurrent blood exchange system in their legs, and this is actually a thing that a lot of animals that live in cold environments have. So, uh, naturally, birds keep their feet at a colder temperature than the rest of their body. So, this is going to help make their feet a little more tolerant to colder temperatures. But then, they're going to want to keep the coldness of their feet away from the heat of their body and vice versa. So, then they're not cooling down their central body and they're not losing a whole bunch of heat through their feet. So this is where that fancy countercurrent blood system comes in. So this, uh, the countercurrent blood system, it's called the reedy maria bill. And in the reedy, the veins and arteries lie extremely close to each other and form a sort of net where the different blood vessels are in direct contact with each other and may kind of intertwine. So they're forming a net of blood vessels. And this allows for very efficient heat exchange where the animal's heat is going to stay at the central body and away from the extremities. So how this works, you have the arteries carrying blood away from the heart, 
So that blood's going to be much warmer. And then the veins are carrying blood back to the heart and that blood coming from the feet is going to be much cooler. As the blood from the veins is going back up to the body, the blood from the arteries is going to warm it back up. And that's also going to cool the blood down as it's heading towards the feet and simultaneously warms the blood back up going to the body. So the heat is not lost to the environment. It stays contained within the nice little system of the central body of the bird while keeping the bird feet nice and cool. So those are some of the tricks that birds have up their sleeves to help keep them warm in winter time. But I do want to bust one myth before we go. Many people think that if they put out bird feeders either in migration time or in winter time, the birds will form a heavy dependency on those feeders and they either won't go finding for food in the wild on their own or they'll be too dependent on the bird feeders and for migrating birds they might not migrate and for wintertime birds if they were to do something like, I don't know, empty the bird feeders or not put them out one week and the birds are just going to die because they can't find food. But this, this isn't true. For migrating birds, it's going to be the changing amounts of daylight that triggers migration. So they're not going to be swayed to stay, um, to stay behind by your bird feeders. And it's actually recommended to keep your bird feeders out during migration time, especially for things like hummingbirds, because as they migrate, having that easy to find food source can be a nice important um, energy source for them. So then they don't have to spend a whole bunch of energy finding other food. And for the birds that do stick around, feeders only make up a portion of their diets. So with birds like chickadees, the feeders are going to supplement their caches and insects that they find under bark, but they're not really going to be depending on it as their primary food source. However, when uh, particularly harsh weather rolls in or there are some heavy winter storms, the guaranteed food source that is bird feeders can help to increase the chances of bird survival. So have no concerns about the birds forming a dependency on your feeders and give them some nice fatty sunflower seeds to help those birds pack on the pounds. Thank you for tuning in today and I think next week we've had the or next episode we've had the stellar sea eagle around again in Maine so I think next time we're going to talk about that a little bit. So be sure to tune in next time and if you know anybody that wants to learn more about birds or other fun animals Share this episode with them, and you can also be sure to subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen. That can help other people find the podcast, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all the fun updates on the podcast and on Facebook, we are Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky. And on Instagram, we are Quirky, Creepy, Freaky Pod. Audio editing and recording is done by me. And our lovely intro music was created by Kaylee Strait. Thank you for listening.